Thank you. Welcome. Let's welcome people joining us as well in other centres. Come on, let's welcome them. And on, online, great to be with you today. Well, welcome to you. And I, I want to talk today about the subject of love. Now, I, I wonder when you hear that word love, what's the, the first thought that comes into your mind? Is it fluffy kittens and cute dogs? Is it roses? Is it chocolate? I don't know what it is. What's the first thing that comes into your mind? You know, I think we want to start by asking the question from that film, what is love actually? Now, I had a, an opportunity just a week ago or so to demonstrate my love for my wife. Uh, we were celebrating one of the chief milestones in somebody's life, a particular birthday that I'm not going to mention the number of because you won't believe it. Um, and I, I said to her, okay, darling, you know I love you. Let's do anything that you want to do today. Now, before I tell you what we did, I don't want you to judge me on when I tell you what we did for that day. And you need to know that my wife is intensely practical and I'm not. That if you are making a scale of the things that uh, I don't like doing in, in life and a top five, the worst two would be eat sprouts and then do DIY. That's how bad they are. So having said to what do you want to do, her response was, I'd like us to make a hotbed. Now I've got to confess, that did get my attention. But she then swiftly went on to explain that the hotbed she had in mind involves cobbling together old bits of wood and nails to make a, a gar something for your garden that you fill with the waste of various animals, then put vegetables in it, and apparently the decomposing process is so fast and hot, they grow quicker. So yes, our romantic day was spent using a saw, and there'll be a picture of my wife looking happy, and picking up horse poo and chicken poo. So much to the point that I actually forgot to buy her a card. That's love. Now, what is love? What is love actually? Well, when John uses the word love, he's talking about something much richer than any of our human images of love can conjure up. There is, this is the love of God. This is the greatest love of all loves. It's not just about romantic love. It's far greater than that. It's far more costly than a Yorkshireman giving up time to look after his wife. It's far more costly than that is. It meets the deepest needs of our hearts. And every single person who's ever walked this earth, it's designed to know and, and receive this love. You need it. <laughs> Men and women, you need it. Your friends need it. Your community around you need this love. You and I, we were designed to live from what John calls perfect love. Say perfect love. This love is strong, it's reliable, it's personal. And when this love comes, it casts out all fear. How many of you want to live free of fear this year? How many of you are so filled with love that fear is broken? Well, that, this is the love that God offers to us and which John is talking about in this passage. Now, I believe today is we, we're going to look at three things this passage has to say about God's love, the greatest love on earth, that God wants to fill you with his love today. You, you may never have experienced the love of God. Today, I believe God wants to reach you with his love. Maybe you've experienced the love of God before, but right now you feel dry, you feel weary, and what you need is a fresh filling of the love of God. He wants to meet you today. If you're hungry and thirsty for love, God is the answer. 
And even if you already know the love of God, He's got more for you. Do you know that? The love of God is wide and high and long and deep. How many of you want to know more of the love of God today? Well, open your hearts. I believe He wants to fill you so that that love overflows in our life to other people. So here we go. Number one, the first thing we see in this passage is that God's love has been demonstrated. It's already been demonstrated. Now, I wonder if, like me, you ever have moments in life where you wonder if God does really love you. You know, maybe, I don't know, randomly, your football team has just lost 4-0 to Everton. I don't know. Or if, like me, your team has just lost to Barnsley. You think, can, can God still love me if my team I've prayed for for many years still are not winning? Or maybe it's more serious than that. Maybe there's stuff that's happened in your life and you think, how, how can there be a God of love and this have happened? How can I have prayed for that and this still have happened? How can that have gone wrong in my life? And yet God still loved me. How can that be? God wants you to know today and for all time that he always has loved you and always will love you. And he's demonstrated it once and for all. Do you know, history is full of attempts by human beings to demonstrate their love for other people. I would imagine everybody who can hear this has got times when you've tried to show love to other people. And history is full of things people have done to prove that. One of, one of the most famous is the story behind the building of the Taj Mahal. Now, I've, I've never been to the Taj Mahal, although it's, it's on one of my lists as a place I'd like to go. Now, how many of you know the story behind it? Taj Mahal was built by an Indian emperor over 400 years ago. And he built it as a demonstration of his love for his favorite wife who tragically died in childbirth. Now, the Taj Mahal is an amazing monument. It's one of the ancient seven wonders of the world. Now, just catch these facts. It's 170 meters tall, which is the equivalent of about 45 stories high. It's incredibly beautiful. All the sides are perfectly symmetrical and match up with one another. Apparently, as the sun, and this is India, okay, not the UK, as the sun moves around it and you get different parts of the day, it looks different as it reflects the light of the day. It's incredibly beautiful and costly. It took 22,000 people 17 years to build. And one, one expert has recently estimated that in modern British pounds, would cost round about 650 million pounds. In today's currency, it might, might be worth a bit more in a few weeks' time. Now, I wonder if you'd agree that was a beautiful, costly, long-term demonstration of love. And when that emperor built that, he wanted people to look at that and say, see how I loved my wife. Here's the thing. When you look at the cross, the Taj Mahal pales into insignificance as a demonstration of love. There is no comparison between the two. Just listen to what John says. He says, this is love. This is love. Not the Taj Mahal. It's a pale version of it. It's not cute dogs and little cats. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. What does love look like? How has it been demonstrated? On the cross. Once and for all time, a real historic event. 2,000 years ago, on this earth, a real man, 
The God-man, Jesus, he died on a cross for people like you and me. Let, let, me, let me give you an illustration. What's that got to do with God's love for me today? Let me give you an illustration. In the, the 17th century, Oliver Cromwell, who at the time was Lord Protector of England, which really all but in name was King of England, had sentenced one of his soldiers to be shot for the crimes that he'd committed. It was a, a just sentence at the time. The execution was due to take place at the ringing of the evening curfew bell. However, the bell did not sound. Now, when Cromwell investigated why has this bell not sounded, it turned out that the soldier who was sentenced to death, his fiancée had climbed into the bell tower and wrapped her body around the clapper so that instead of it ringing, she actually used her body to prevent the resonance. So Cromwell wanted to know how has this happened. He, he called the woman to himself. And as she stood in front of him, weeping and showing him her hands, his heart was so deeply moved that he said, your lover will not die. The curfew bell will not ring tonight because of your love for him. Here's the thing. Friends, at that time, a man deserved to die. A just sentence had been pronounced on him. You and I, we don't deserve the love of God. We cannot earn it. We cannot prove ourselves good enough for it. How many of you are aware of things you do wrong? Maybe even in this last week you think, yeah, that makes me undeserving of the love of God. A just sentence has been pronounced over us. But somebody stepped in the way and in the giving of their life commuted that sentence and ended it so that you and I can come into a living, vital relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords himself. Amen. Jesus was physically broken on that cross. His body, in effect, was ripped apart. His hands were torn, his side was torn. Why? So you and I can know for all time, God loves me. God is for me. Compare the cross with the Taj Mahal which is the greatest demonstration of love. There is no comparison. The love of God for you is far higher. Amen. It's greater. It will, it will take you to heights nothing else ever can. It's far longer. Do you know God has loved you since before the beginning of time? Before you were made, God had picked you out. And he said, I want to set my affection on you. He picked you out before all time. It's personal. The Taj Mahal was about love for one person. This is about love for the whole of mankind. There's not one person who's ever walked this earth that God does not love and has not already shown his love towards them. God loves you personally and passionately. His love for you is costly. He gave his only son and his son went all the way in his love for you. He held nothing back. Now, I sometimes wonder about that couple. I wonder, I don't think we know what happened to them afterwards. How many of you think they probably got married? They probably, after that demonstration of love, said, yeah, yes, darling, I think it's time we got married. Let's, let's do this thing. Well, I wonder in their marriage if there was ever a moment when the husband thought, I wonder if she loves me. And said to her at some point, darling, do you really love me? What do you think she would have said? I think she would have said, look at my hands. Where they were broken for you. Look, look, look at the scars still in my hands from what I did because I love you. Here's the thing for you and me. Whenever we doubt whether God loves us, 
What do we need to do? We need to look at the hands. Look at Jesus' hands and know that whatever is going on in your life, Jesus loves you personally and passionately right now. Whatever you've done in life, whatever you've done this week, whatever you look on your, your life and say, I'm ashamed of that, Jesus has paid the price for it. You don't have to live under that guilt and shame and condemnation. Look to the hands. Look at what Jesus has done for you. His life was poured out so you could come to know the Father. Maybe you've always wondered, could God love me? Yes, he does. And he's proved it once and for all time on Calvary. Listen to what Paul says. I love this. In Romans 8, verses 37 to 39, Paul makes a declaration of his confidence in the love of God. Now, if you're anything like me, the times when I think God doesn't love me is when stuff goes wrong. Anybody else? Things don't happen as I'd like them to. Here's a guy for whom a whole bunch of stuff went wrong. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned, not with drugs, but with stones. He, was, he nearly died a few times for the gospel. He had to give up every part of his life. He suffered in incredible ways. And yet, listen to his declaration. He says, in all these things, and he's talking about his problems, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. What's he saying? He's saying to the tips of my toes, to the ends of my fingers, to the top of my head, through the whole of my being, through good, through bad, through success, through failure, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, come on, read this with me, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. I want to ask you today, are you convinced? <laughs> are you convinced he loves you? He's already demonstrated once for all his utter commitment to you and to me. Maybe you've never opened your life to Jesus. Maybe stuff's happened in your life that you don't understand. And that's true for all of us. And please hear me, I can't explain why. Bad stuff often happens to good people. I don't know why. But one thing I do know, God loves you. At the end of our time together, I'm going to give opportunity if any of you want to respond to God's love for you for the first time. Why not make today the day when you say, Jesus, I open my life to you. Some of you need to stop running from the love of God. You've experienced his love before, but you've started running from him. You think you've done stuff that you could never forgive. He can forgive. Look at his hands. Look what he's already done for you. Why not make today? When once for all, you stop allowing stuff you've done in the past to determine your future. God loves you just as passionately as he always has and he always will. For all of us, I want to say, let's celebrate the love the King has for us. Let's get hold of the Word. Let's get it in our system so that whatever's happening in life, we can say, like, like Paul, with a conviction, with strength, no matter what's going on in my life, however good, however bad, God loves me. God's love has been demonstrated. But second, the second thing we see here in the passage with John is not only has God's love been demonstrated, but actually, God's love satisfies our deepest needs. This is a love that's not just to be known about. It's a love to be experienced. I wonder if you've ever heard the story, 
probably not a true story, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway, of the Yorkshire couple who they'd been married 50 years. And the wife was slightly agitated because her husband never said to her, I love you. So on their 50th wedding anniversary, she, she manages, she kind of boils over with frustration. And she says to him, you never tell me that you love me. And he looks her in the eye and he says, look, love, on our wedding day, I told you that I love you. And if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> How many of you think that's not probably the best way to conduct a life of love? Here's the thing. Jesus wants you to know his love, not just by his amazing declaration of love 2,000 years ago, but by the present working of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Just, just listen to what, what John said. He said, we have come to know. Okay, and that word know is not list a few facts about, come to know experientially and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. Not God chooses love, God is love. It's his very nature. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. I just think this is amazing. God wants you and me not only to have an idea of love, but to experience love, and then for love to be our abiding soil that nourishes our life. In other words, God's desire for you and me is that we should spend all of our lives living from a place of knowing that we're loved. Anyone ever feel insecure? Come on, yes you do. Anyone ever feel anxious or fearful or strongly tempted by sin? Okay? Those things, those are places where we're not abiding in the love of God. God wants you and I to come to a place where we learn to abide in the love of God, where it's our constant default position. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, I, I want to know that. But the question is, how, does, how do words on a page, how does the picture of a cross, how does that go from being just an idea and how does it come to live in my heart? How does it become a reality? I mean, if you've ever heard people ask the question, what's the longest journey in the world? I happen to think it's the A14 from Huntingdon to Cambridge. Um, but what's the longest journey in life? It's actually from the head to the heart. God doesn't want you just to know some facts. He wants you to know that you know, 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 that you know that you are loved by him. How does that happen? How do we go from knowledge to experience? Listen to what Paul says in Romans 5, verse 5b. Why don't you read this scripture with me? God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How do things go from the, from the page? How do they get from a picture into my heart? Who is it that does the trans translating of that? It's the Holy Spirit. He is the one who pours. I love it. I love that image. Not trickles, pours. The God, God's love has been poured into our hearts. How do we know it? Because of what the Holy Spirit says. He is the great translator who takes the word and puts it in our lives. He's the one who lets us know the love of the Father. Now, for me, as I was preparing for this message, I'm not the quickest learner in the world. And as I was preparing for this and reading these scriptures, God put together for me joined dots between two events that happened in my life um, 30 years ago or so, and he kind of joined the dots between them. And these, the two events were things that God did in me sovereignly that I am still today 
experiencing the fruit of wonderful things. One was, although I was already a Christian, I got filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. The second was, when in that same season, in a matter of a few weeks, he then revealed the love of God to me for the first time. I was away at university. I was in my, my college room. I'd recently been filled with the Holy Spirit. I was enjoying a new dynamic of relationship with God. But I was underneath, I was still grieving. My, my dad died when I was a little boy, when I was 11. He was killed in a car accident. And I, I know many of you have heard the story before. Apologies if you've heard it before. But I was still grieving underneath over the death of my father. And as I sat in my college room and I read uh, John chapter 17, which is about the relationship between the heavenly father and Jesus, his son, it was just like God took those words that were on the page and then the Holy Spirit poured his love, the love of the Father, into my heart. And he took me back. In my mind, I, I can remember like a visual memory of going back to the day that my, I heard that my father had died. Obviously a black, dark memory. But it was like Jesus took me back to that memory. And he showed me that my father was there with me in that moment. And as I, as I saw that memory, I heard him say, not, not audibly, but just in the depth of my soul, I heard him say, Simon, I'm your dad now. That was all he said. And it was like the Holy Spirit took the love of God and he poured it into my innermost being. Now I want to tell you, it was the most powerful encounter I think I've maybe ever had with God. It was like all that rejection, sense of abandonment, sense of being a bit odd, was like God took it out. And he filled me with a new sense of peace and joy. As he whispered, I'm your dad now, I thought, wow, if God is my dad and he's with me all of the time, I don't ever need to be afraid. I don't ever need to be anxious. And you know, for me, maybe the best way I can describe it was like I came home. So I wasn't at home. I was actually university. It was like something within me came home. Now, here's the thing. God wants that for everybody. If every single person who's ever walked this earth, God wants you to come home. You know, I, I just watching yesterday, uh, I, I like going to, the, to, to watch a film. saw a trailer for a new film called Lion. Now, I've not watched it yet, but I hear it's a, a good film. But what caught my eye was the strap line. The strap line says that this is a story about a man who was seeking to come home. Now, now why, have they, why have the film producers got that as their strap line? Because everybody wants to come home. Everybody who's ever been born, however gifted you are, however skillful you are, however good or bad life is, there's an ache within your soul to come home. Do you know, since that day, I know where home is. It's in the presence of God. And I don't always live there. Do I get anxious sometimes? Absolutely. Do I get fearful sometimes? Regularly. Do I sometimes wonder where the presence of God is? Yes, but I know where home is. Home is in the presence of the Father. And increasingly, over the years, I'm finding, I don't abide in the love of God all of the time, not consciously. But I tell you, if I look back five years, I'm abiding more in the love of God now than I, than I ever did before. And my full intention is that five years from now, I'll be more conscious of abiding in His love than I am right now. How about you? Well, who is it that helps you abide in the love of God? It's the Holy Spirit. How many of you today need to hear him whispering into your life? You're my son. 
You're my daughter and I love you. I, I, I know for some of you that word father has negative connotations. It did for me because my dad was absent for eight years. God isn't like that. He's the perfect father. He's always present. He's always available. He's always kind. He's always good. And he wants you to know his love. How do we come to know that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's listen to what Jesus says. He says, talking to his, his followers, he says this. He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who what? To those who what? Okay, ask him. Okay, the word there is not ask. Okay, it's ask. Okay, say ask. No, no, not ask. You need to get some north in you, okay? You need to ask him. Okay, now what, what does ask mean? It's not hard, is it? It's not a difficult word. It means to ask him. God, fill me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now, I want to encourage you. Make this a primary prayer of your life. If you want to know experientially the love of God, ask him. Ask him right now. Even as I'm speaking, ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Every time you come to read the Bible, say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Every time you come to our gatherings at the weekends or you come to Life Group or Connect Group, say, Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Every time you go to work, every time you're with your family, every time you've got a spare moment, ask Him. Will you feel something every time? I doubt it. Does it matter? No. He will determine the times and the seasons when he will suddenly break through in your life and you'll go to a whole new measure of the level of the love of the Father. How many of you want more of the love of God? Be filled. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. His is the language of love. But here's the thing, you know, why do you think God wants to reveal his love to you? I think it's two reasons. First of all, because you need it. <laughs> because I need it what I was made for. I was made to live from a place of love and so were you. You need it, but so do the people around you. So do your friends, so do your colleagues, so do your neighbours. Every single one of them is designed to need the love of God. And do you know how they're going to experience the love of God? Through you and through me. Just listen, listen to what John says. He says, dear friends, since God so loved us on the cross, by the Holy Spirit. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Did you see that? Not only has God's love been demonstrated, not only does it satisfy our deepest needs, but thirdly, God's love must be displayed. I don't, I don't know if, if you picked that up there. Do you know, when you love somebody else, when you give away the love you've received, you get more love back. <laughs> Do you know that? As you start to love other people, John says, you will be perfected in love. God wants to perfect you in love. Do you know, one of the reasons sometimes we're not experiencing the love of God in is because we're not releasing it out. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with the inflow. It's what's wrong with the outflow. That as you and I give love to other people, it's like we unblock and we release the love of God into our lives. But this, this to me, this is the most wonderful thing. As you and I love one another, and John's focus here is actually within the church, but I think we can put it beyond there. As we love one another, we receive more of the love of God. Other people receive the love of God. And then John says, 
God is on display. How many of you would agree most people who don't yet know Jesus can't see God? He's not on display to them. How do they see God in our loving actions for one another? Let's listen to what a guy called Andrew Murray, who is not a tennis player, is a 19th century South African pastor. He wrote this, and I find this deeply encouraging and challenging. He said, Christians are to live so that men are compelled to say, see how these Christians love one another. In their daily dealings with each other, Christians are made a display to God and to angels and to men. Their life of love is the chief evidence of Christianity, the proof to the world that God sent Christ and that he has shed abroad in them the same love with which he loved them. How many of you want this city, your city, your town, your village to see more of the love of God? Yeah, me too. How's that going to happen? Through simple, everyday, practical demonstrations of love. Now, I actually think, Kingsgate, you're doing well. We get, I'm, I'm a member of staff, and we get nearly, certainly weekly, we hear stories of how love is being demonstrated in practical ways all across the church, especially through life groups. And I want to just read one of them to you, okay? This is Love on Display. One of our young adults wrote this. They say, when I broke my ankle and needed surgery at the end of September, I don't know where I would have been without the connections I have made at Young Adults. The nearest family, family member I have is three hours away. So young adults make up my family in Peterborough. People have displayed Christ's love in a practical way by doing sometimes seemingly small things that actually made a huge difference to my daily life. From accompanying me in hospital, praying with me, transforming my lounge into a temporary bedroom, picking up shopping to mundane things like taking out my bin and hoovering up for me. Listen to this. I have felt support and love in excess. My family, none of whom attend a church, have struggled to understand why so many people have done so much to help and been willing to go above and beyond, especially as I've been in a position where I couldn't return the favour. My younger brother comments all the time on how generous people have been with their time and how he doesn't know people that would behave how my friends do. Isn't that wonderful? People loving one another. Well done to those of you involved in that. But let, let me ask all of us today, how are you doing at loving the one another's in your world? Just for a moment, think about, particularly maybe within the church, but it could be beyond that. Th think of your, your, if you're, you're married, think of your husband or wife, think of your children, if you're a parent. Uh, if you're single, think of your friends. Think of your, 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 your life group. Think of the one another's in your life and think, am I showing love to them? Am I revealing God in the way in which I relate to those people? And while you're thinking about that, let me just read to you Paul's benchmark description of what love actually looks like in 1 Corinthians 13. Let me read this to you. It says, love is patient and kind. I could stop there. <laughs> okay, Father, mm, something to learn there. There might be the odd person who I'm occasionally impatient with and not that kind to. Help me, Father. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. Do you know there's a marriage 
Someone listening to me now, there's a marriage that can be saved. If you just put that into practice. Keep no record of wrongs. Does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. And that means believes the best in others. Love is always hopeful and endures through every single circumstance. Let me ask you, is there any place, is there any person to whom God is saying, I want you to go and love that one another? Is there anything you need to stop doing? You know, I said earlier, sometimes the outflow of love, so that the inflow of love in our lives is hindered because we're not loving one another. Do you know, I want to say, if, you, if you've got a problem relationship within the church, sort it out today. Forgive. Stop gossiping. Get rid of the resentment. Choose to forgive. Make today a turning point. It's a choice. You know, love is a choice. In our, our culture, we're told love is a feeling. It's not. It's primarily a choice. Jesus demonstrated his love for you and me by a sacrificial choice. The feelings follow the choices. They come afterwards. Don't act because you feel love. Act until you feel it. That's, that's the way the kingdom operates. That's the way God operates. And I, I just want to get one thing. Can I get one thing out of my system? I, I'm starting to really not like Twitter. Especially when I read what Christians write about Christians. You know, when I read somebody's tweet and it's attacking another Christian, I feel a grieving in my soul. And I believe that's how God feels. I just want to say to you, if you're doing it, stop it. God is not glorified. He does not release the love of the king. And it does not put God on display. Let's put God on display. Let's demonstrate to the world what God is like. Is there an amen? Let's demonstrate in our relationships what God is like. Do you know, I believe if we will go and put into practice the word from today. Marriages are going to be restored. Marriages are going to be refreshed and go to a whole new level. Children are going to be blessed. Singles are going to live in a whole new measure of peace and joy with their friends. Do you know, families can be changed. Communities can be changed. I believe whole workplaces can be changed. As you and I put into practice what it means to show love to one another. Hey, come on, let's fill this year, let's fill our lives, let's fill our homes, let's fill our families with love. Why don't you join with me as I, I pray and finish this message together. I just want to pray. Why don't you just open your heart afresh. If you want to know the love of God and give it away more, why don't you just open your heart to Him as I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have demonstrated for all time with irrefutable evidence that you love us. I pray, Father, that in these coming days and weeks, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that that would become a living, vital, experiential reality for every one of us. And Father, I pray too that that love would overflow into the lives of our homes, into our relationships. Father, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of love, Lord, may lives be restored, may schools be restored, may relationships be healed. And may the love of the King flow afresh in us and through us. In the mighty name of King Jesus. And if you agree with that, say aloud, Amen.